Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Pony Tales with myself, Chris Miller. And that title always gets you, doesn't it? <laughs> and Mr. David Seaman. David, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Very good. Good to see you again. It's been a second week of Premier League football. We've got a lot to cover, but also, you know, want to hear a lot of stories this week as well, because right. I've been there. We've been researching a lot into um, your career and, and, and trying to link it to what's been going on actually nowadays in football. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, this week, we've had a poor result for Arsenal. Yeah, very poor. Um, and Stoke just seemed to be a bit of a bogey team. But, you know, and I had a lot of friends saying, oh, I had Arsenal in my forecast and this, that and the other. And, uh, and I was like, nah, you never do that when they're going away at Stoke. No. You know, it's like Stoke away, West Brom away, them sort of games are... They're tricky for Arsenal. You know, I don't know whether it's because they don't get up for it or it's just weird. It just seems to happen too often. Um, but, you know, we'll carry on. We'll see what see what it goes. We have got injuries to key players in defence, mm. which is why I was very sceptical about before the game, you know, because I knew that it would be hard. It's um, Is it a psychological thing when you go to a... a team like Stoke or you go to a West Brom um, like you say the bogey team thing when enough people talk about it is that sitting in the back of your mind when you're going to play these clubs um, it, you do think about it a little bit I'd say it's more the physical side of it yeah um, is it just the way these teams are playing then is it that physicality that yeah. Mark Hughes seems to get quite frustrated with that um, that idea that Stoke is this sort of ultra physical team that's just going to be smashing tackles in and yeah. long throws I don't know well, but Mark Hughes would probably know that that being physical against Arsenal works. Yeah. So that's why that's why he does it. Um, you know, but it's not just all about being physical. You know, they've got ability as well. Definitely. You know, they kept a clean sheet, and you know, with not having a lot of possession, um, you know, the goalkeeper playing really well, getting you know getting a couple of breaks and uh, and scoring the goal and then holding on to it. Definitely, you say uh, Jack Butland played really well. He had a had a great game. He's someone who is you know really he's made the number two jersey for England. Uh, yeah. You know his or the number two spot in the goalkeeping position. His own. Is it now time to see him launch into the number one position? Take that jersey from Joe Hart. Is Jack Butland ready for number one? For me, no, okay. not yet. Um, I still feel that he he's, he needs more experience at the Premier League level. Um, Joe has got loads of experience. Okay, you know, people are pointing fingers at him. He's let seven goals in two games, but there's been a few penalties. And mm -hmm. if you look at the goals, they're not really down to him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it, that, that happens. When, when you're the number one, the spotlight is on you. Yeah. So even a half mistake gets put down as a mistake. Um, and yeah, so you, you're really under pressure, but it's, it's good because I, I remember being number one and there was always people saying, oh, Nigel Martin should be number one, or David James should be number one. And it's just, it's just a, a, the way it goes. And if they play really well, then all the hype starts again. But it's not just a case of playing well and then just stepping in and carrying on your form for England. Ideally, yeah, that's what you'd love to do, but it doesn't happen like that. You know, the pressures are much bigger. Is it really difficult when you're in training every day with, because when you're in specifically goalkeeping training, you've got your one, two and threes yeah. there with you. You probably... I don't know. Is it a real rivalry, or is that can you be good mates with people who are competing so heavily for your there's, position? There's a there's a massive rivalry. Um, I remember being in in, in um, England squads when Peter Shilton was number one, and and he used to make us do drills that were good for him, that made him look good, <laughs> and it was not so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Um, so what kind of drills are we talking about? Just just like short short uh, volleys, 
you know, old close-in stuff, which Peter was really good at, yeah. you know, and obviously I was new, newish to the squad, so I hadn't done that all my career. He was really good at it, and you'd get absolutely shattered doing it, you know, all three, so like me, Chris Woods, and then Peter would do it as well. And he could just do it all day. But then Peter would just walk in, so then me, me and Chris had to go over to the England team players and play with them, and we were shattered. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a little tactic on his part, but... Did you ever employ anything like that when you were England number one, when you had the, no, uh, the juniors to you? Like, <laughs> okay, we're only doing these. No, because it weren't as one-sided then. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of the coaches that I had since... So we had Mike Kelly, um, who was really good. Then I had like Pete Benetti and Ray, Ray Clements. Ray was, Ray was really good as well. Um, but it was all geared towards the three of us, you know, not just one mm. of us. You know, because he gets, you can't do that when it's, it's I suppose it's because Peter was there for so long that, you know, the training was geared towards getting the best out of him. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was good, but it was, it was competitive when I, when I was there. Definitely. I mean, what is it like when you're in that setup and, and you know that, let's say when you're in the number two and you're ready to take that number one jersey. Yeah. Was the whole team, the whole squad, was everyone sort of like just waiting for that moment to happen? Was it pretty awkward to have um, Shilton? Because you took Shilton's No, I, Well, no, Peter retired after the World Cup in 1990, Italian 90. And then Chris, got, Chris was the number two then, so it was automatic that he then became number one. So he held that for about, I think it was about two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, it was probably when we played Chef Wednesday, Arsenal played Chef Wednesday in two cup finals and he, he made a, a mistake on one of the cup finals um, and then he just, he lost his confidence mm. there and then then it was my time to, t- to step in but what happens is, you know, you get some players that will say, oh, you know, you're miles better than him, I can't believe you're not in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it doesn't happen overnight, you know, like it, it's just, a, it's a gradual thing. You know that like if a guy's not playing well, you know he's still going to get a few chances to stay in there. Yeah. Um, because it is such a, I mean, it's yeah, so disruptive it, to just pull your keeper out, it's, right? It's a big step. It's, it's, not, it's not really disruptive for the team because the guys aren't playing with that same goalkeeper every week yeah. in, week out, you know, so they, they adapt. But um, it's just, it's a gradual thing. You know when, when the time is coming and then you're just waiting, you know, every team sheet that goes up, you're like, you're lucky, oh, oh. Didn't, didn't make it. Oh, yeah, didn't yeah, make yeah. it. Yes, yeah. I mean then that's your chance. Yeah, I mean, it's football at the end of the day and, you know, no matter what level you played, you know, even if it's just playing on the school teams or whatever or Sunday league, there's still that sense of, you know, it must, it must be similar workings. You, like you say, the team sheet goes up, you wait to hear what the gaffer's decision is. Like, whether you're playing an absolute amateur, if you're playing at the absolute top of your game like you were, th- there's still those same physics kind of involved in it. Yeah, there is, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't work out. I remember when uh, Greg Taylor took over as England manager, and I think it was in, I think it was the Euros in Sweden. I think it was 92. It, it, it took me, it, it didn't even take me there. It took Chris Woods and Nigel Martin. You know, and I was like, whoa, you know, that, that was a shock to me. Um, you know, in England didn't do very well, obviously. <laughs> and we know why. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, so, that, so I thought I was like, it was a progression that I'd be yeah. like the number two and then, but then it didn't work out. And then I remember in, I think it was in 95 when Terry Venables took over. He, he just came up to me and went, you're my number one goalkeeper. Yeah. And that was just brilliant. Change of regime, yeah. change of mindset, and obviously change of opinion about yeah. you know the way that players are playing. Um, just want to talk to you a little bit actually about 
the way that it works with rivals moving from club to club because you've been at Arsenal to see someone like Sol Campbell move from Spurs to yeah. Arsenal. We've got a, a, a rumour now coming in that, a pretty solid rumour that Johnny Evans is going to join Manchester City um, having played for Manchester United. I know he's been at West Brom in between, but what is that What is that like for a player, um, what you know, you know, from experience seeing this happen, um, seeing a player move from absolute arch-rival to arch-rival um, in this situation, something like Souls, yeah. and, and what are your thoughts on Johnny's move um, and how it will be received? I think with the Johnny Evans thing, because he's gone to a club in between, I think that's more that'll be more acceptable for the Man United fans, um, because he's left Man United not to go to a bigger and better club. He's gone to to West Brom, mm -hmm. um, but now he might be going to City. Um, it, it, it's interesting, but I don't think there'll be anywhere near the hatred that was shown towards Sol. Yeah. You know, because Sol came from Tottenham as their club captain and went on a free, so the club got nothing for him. Went to their major, major rivals. You know, so he's still living in London and, and it was just, Ooh. we were like, wow. That, that, but that shows a lot of bottle on Sol's side because yeah. he knew what he wanted. He knew that he wanted to win trophies. Yeah. And he just felt that with Tottenham at that time, they weren't going to win anything. And you see, it was similar it, to when... I mean, it's a fair, fair point. It worked yeah. out pretty well. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the vitriol and the, the sort of the hatred, like you say, that was poured out at him throughout his career and ever yeah. since. Um, wh what was that like to experience? And, and what did you think when he came over and uh, was it... Yeah, what was that, what was that like to greet him as, at the club and, and trying to get him welcomed? For the players to greet him was no problem because we've, we've done England Duke yeah. together. So yeah. and we all knew each other. We know, we know each other. Um, so for the players, it's not a problem at all. For the fans, it's massive. You know, and I just felt like, wow, that, that is such a big decision because it's not just when he's playing football. You know, he's living in London and he's going out to restaurants and things and there's Tottenham fans everywhere. And Did you hear horror stories? Just, yeah, just of him getting, you know, like a lot of abuse and things. But even like when, when he went back to, <coughs> excuse me, when he went back to Tottenham with Arsenal, Luckily, I was injured. <laughs> yeah, because the coach got wrecked. Yeah. You know, the Tottenham fans knew he was in and they just blasted it with all sorts. Yeah. Um, you know, and from what I heard from the lads, the atmosphere was like really, really horrible towards him. Yeah. Um, but it's like, <laughs> it's just a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know it, I know it means a lot more to, to the fans, but, you know, to, to do that sort of thing was just totally unacceptable. But... Um, it was just, it was a massive decision on Saul's appointment. But looking at it, I knew exactly what he was doing. I did it when I was at QPR. Mm -hmm. QPR were happy just to stay in the division. I wanted to test myself further. Yeah. And, and it was a similar situation with Saul. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when, it, when you boil it down to just pure ambition, um, often that can, can give you the thick skin and, and the sort of the blinkered kind of viewpoint to just go yeah. where you need to go. Um, even as a Tottenham fan, uh, I can see the reasoning behind it. I, I'll never, obviously, f forgive him for it. But uh, course, but you, yeah. at the same time, I <clears throat> do think there's got to be a line drawn um, on where it's football. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, and yeah, give them give them jip all day yeah. that they're on the pitch. Yeah. You know, but uh, you know when it comes to when private lives, private and, lives uh, and things, it's just that's out of order. But yeah. um, you know, Saul's big enough and. As he's a big a, guy. He's a unit. He is. I, I don't fear for Saul. I'm sure he's. A, I'm sure he's a good, a good lad. Um, 
So Johnny, you know, we think he'll probably be all right. He's probably not going to get the Sol Campbell treatment, but I think, you know, pulling on the uh, the Blue of City will um, probably... For the odd United a fan. few United fans might have a little bit do you know what though I think that the fact that United now are looking so strong yeah. I mean and he's sort of maybe a slightly representative of an era of that sort of no man's land era they sat in mm. they, they probably they, they're not exactly looking back with, with massive regret at the moment they're not no but if, if he goes and then and then City pick United for the title and he, and he scores the last goal. Mm. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, you were impressed again, I imagine, with Manchester United's performance this week. Massively. Yeah, they, you know, they look strong. But then, I think it was it Chelsea were doing the same last year. Yeah. Well, somebody was, I can't remember who it was, but, you know, looked really strong. And then well, all Arsenal sudden, always looked strong. Well, they yeah. used to always look strong at the beginning yeah. of the season. Then, but so. when you look at, at Man United, it's different because they've got, they've got quality everywhere now. You know, and they've got quality on the bench. Yeah, well, I think I think it'd be interesting to see when when they get put up against some a real testing opposition. Yeah. Um, you know, a bit like as you're watching the Spurs Chelsea game. I'm not crying my eyes out about losing to the to the champions. Um, it is frustrating yeah. to do it technically at home, but again, first game there, and we played pretty well. But um, what I mean with that, the hoodoo yeah. regards that game. You 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 think that that's something that's just kind of made up psychological sort of thing, a, a press a press story? Or do you think that um, this could be something that's going to really trouble Spurs this year? Uh, the it could be a trouble for Spurs. It's not a hoodoo. No. The problem they've got is similar to when Arsenal played at Wembley in the Champions League. Is that the clubs coming to Wembley lift their game? Yeah. Because they're playing exactly at what Conte said after the game. Said it's going to yeah. inspire clubs. It does. And teams it certainly does. You know because like there's there's teams that are still in the Premier League. And there's players there that won't get the chance to play at Wembley. Yeah, you know, and so they've they've got their first chance at Wembley. They're gonna they're gonna lift themselves. What was it like for you guys? Um, you played was it ninety eight, ninety nine, and ninety nine, two thousand? I think was that right? For Ch- Arsenal went to the, yeah. the national stadium and played. Um, you had a similar kind of we did. curse. I'd yeah, say, like you know, but it's like what I say. It's, it's we we know we're playing at Wembley, so we we get used to it. Yeah. Um, but the other teams come and just for some reason that you know. They're playing in the Champions League and then it's at Wembley. Yeah. You know, so they I remember us getting absolutely battered by Barcelona there. Yeah. You know, the Arsenal fans were like clapping even if I picked up a back pass <laughs> or whatever, you know, and it, it was embarrassing, but you know, we got battered. But um yeah, it, it's a great place to play, but it's not so good when you're not when you're not winning. Definitely. I mean, you know, and also Chelsea, a team that have actually, you know, they've won the most the, the Premier League Premier League team that has won the most games at Wembley. Yeah. Um they have they, that's a, kind of a little home stadium for them. Yeah, they've way. got confidence when they got there. And, you know, props to them as well. It's, it's good to be able to say that you've been at Wembley yeah. so much that you can actually... Um, but I wouldn't be, as a Tottenham fan, I wouldn't be worried because when you look at how they played, you know, they're playing against Chelsea yeah. and Chelsea won the league last year. Yeah. Okay, like they got beat last week yeah. in, a, in a free game and um, they're still real quality, but Tottenham held their own. And But, you know, unfortunately... Um, Hugo didn't do too good at the near post. Yeah, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, like, when you're watching slow motion, Wrong decision. it's very easy. Wrong decision to go with his hands. Yeah. He should have gone with his feet. Yeah. He'll know that. He, I mean, he's the kind of goalkeeper who usually sticks out a boot or gets his foot. Yeah, I was surprised that he, he, that he went with his hand. Yeah. You know, and it went under his body. But, you know, it's an easier, much easier save to just stick your foot there. A little lack of focus, maybe. I know that the game had twisted and after the equalising goal, it, it was feeling like Spurs were, were the ones who were going to go on to yeah. win it. Maybe a little drop in focus there. 
concentration. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I'm not a professional <laughs> goalkeeper, so I'm not going to try. It's these little decisions, <laughs> or little split decisions, you know, that you make. You know, that you make. Completely, and it turns it, it yeah. changes the game. It, yeah. it decides the game. Um, I'm not going to be too sad, and I'll wipe these tears away, and we'll get <laughs> on to the next part of this. Um, We've got some fan questions. Ponytails yeah. podcast fans right. have been tweeting us. Um, and actually, funny one, the first one they've got in from Gunnosaurus Rex um, on Twitter. Um, we're just talking about the grounds, you know, playing at the National Stadium. What was the most intimidating ground you ever played at? Oh. And maybe the Sol Campbell White Hart Lane thing is, is, is up there. But I, I've got a feeling that there might be some... Yeah, I played, I played in... I think we played in the Champions League for Arsenal away at... I think it was something like Apoel, something like that. Is that, in, is that a Greek team? Greek, yeah. yeah. And we went out for the game, and you go and have a look at the pitch before the game, you know, and you got your suit on and everything. We walked out of the tunnel to like just booze and everything. The ground was full, <laughs> right? This is like two hours, hour and a half, two hours before the game. The ground was full. And, um, and then they all just started like singing together and clapping together, you know, like the, what was it, Finland or whatever, where they do the clap. Yeah. You oh, know. that big over the head. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that's that's where that came from. Right. And um, and they they were doing that, and then they're all singing together and jumping up and down, and we were like thinking, oh my god. <laughs> and then from that, we walked from the middle of the pitch, like down the tunnel, to like booze and whistles and stuff being thrown at us, and yeah. we're like, Geez, we've got an hour and a half to go if, before we even get started. What What was it like when you actually? In that atmosphere, once you cold, start the game, you focus. Are you? you got it's gone. It's, it must be hard for you though. You know, you're sitting. You can't be too. You're yeah. standing not too far from those uh, front rows. Maybe. Yeah, the, but was it one of the stadiums with the cage sort of? Uh, oh god, front, lots. Yeah, yeah. And, and something you about it. that just looks so much more menacing. Yeah. I find. Yeah, but then, you, then you when when the game starts and you're thankful for the cage because all you can hear is ting ting <laughs> when they're throwing <laughs> yeah. coins at you yeah, and yeah. hitting the cage. Yeah, I remember playing for England away at Sweden and. and I was I was second choice, and I was coming on in the second half, and um, I was doing a warm up before the game, and all of a sudden this massive like twelve inch yellow dart just went straight over my shoulder and landed in the ground. Wow! And I was like to the goalkeeping coach, I went, uh, "Can we go and warm up in the middle of the pitch?" Jesus! Uh, like a full on proper dart just whistled past my just over my shoulder. Oh my god! Yeah. What do you, What do you do in that situation? Literally just just just, just walk out, you know, away. show like yeah, steward yeah, yeah. or whatever what's happened. And then just go into the. Yeah, middle. I used to hear stories about darts back yeah. in the. I've had all sorts like darts, rocks, eggs, fireworks. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> it just adds another element Bottles to the game that you've got full to try. Of you know what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's a bit more of a family atmosphere, which is nice. <laughs> um, great stuff. So uh, we've got Sam95 on Twitter asking if there was one manager you could have played under who you didn't, who would it have been? Or maybe it's a manager past and present. Maybe there's managers yeah. now that weren't around when you were playing. Good. Good question. First one. First Thank two, you, Sam. First two that come into my mind would be Alex Ferguson, which I did have the the chance of playing under him before I signed for Arsenal. Oh yeah. Um, but I think I, there's just something about Jose Mourinho that I love. Yeah, he's, I love his arrogance, but I love his quality as well. Yeah. You know, he's not doing. He's not being arrogant without backup. He's got a lot of backup. And do you think that you know because he's such a big character? Is it is it that is there that fear of? Um, I, I he strikes me as the kind of person is you get on the wrong side of him or you say something slightly wrong, one weird performance or whatever, and he's just he can crush players as well. Yeah, I bet he can. But you know, if the players are doing it for you. Yeah. Then he'll he, he certainly backs you. I just like I just like the way he does his stuff. You know, I've, I've met him as well, and he's 
he's a nice guy good stuff um, well a couple of nice questions there from our Ponytails fans let's move on to the main event <laughs> the quiz because right, we, we here at Ponytails <laughs> love a good quiz with David Seaman you're very good at it um, this one is called originally titled David Seaman on David Seaman wow this is you on you you on your career what do you know about yourself and your playing career and um, we'll see how you get on so you are England's second most capped goalkeeper with 75 caps mm-hmm. but who is number one okay yeah Peter Shelton oh. <laughs> easy there you go Peter Shelton <laughs> is correct very yeah. good number two what are your combined transfer fees ooh According to transfermarket.co.uk, I don't know yeah. if that's a plug or. <laughs> but thank you, transfermarket.co.uk. So, so, apparently, I went to Leeds to Peterborough. Apparently, it's, I think there was like a four thousand pound fee. But was I it thought, like an Alan Smith uh, packet of tracksuits or yeah, whatever? I don't know. I, you know, I got told I weren't good enough, and that's all I was yeah. bothered about. So that's four. Do you want me to give you a little clue? Well, I've got to give you three choices. One point two million. Yeah. 2.2 million or 3.2 million? What? It's combined, yeah? No, does that not? No, because no? I went from I went from QPR to Arsenal for 1.3. I've got, yes, pretty yeah. much. Got that. 1.3, 225, I think, from QPR to QPR. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, then about 100 from Peterborough to Birmingham. Yeah, so now it's just a case of how's your maths? <laughs> so what did you say? One point, point so two. one point two million, two point two million, or three point two million. So we got them tested. What am I going the closest? Yeah, yeah. Which one do you think is closest? Oh, oh well, anyways, which one do you think it is? Well, it's not. It's not any of them. Do you not think? Oh. Two. So one point three plus two twenty-five. We've got one point eight for QPR to Arsenal. No. Bro. Jesus. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> 1.3. Okay, fine. <laughs> we will yeah. sack the researchers. It's okay. See, you know, See, he knows his quizzes yeah. so well. 1. He can 3, call us out. Record transfer for a goalkeeper. I love it. Okay, cool. So we're going to... I'm going to throw out... So we reckon it was probably 2 or 1.9 million. Two. Maybe 1.9 million total. Yeah. Answer D. None of the above. <laughs> um, okay, in Euro 96, um, a competition that's etched into my childhood memories... Um, showing my age there. My memories. Probably, not my childhood, <laughs> but my memories. Um, you famously saved a spot kick against Spain to knock them out of the tournament, but yes. who took it? I know. Yeah? Yes. It was Rafa Nadal's uncle or something. Oh. Yeah, I was just seeing <laughs> the his... The beast of Barcelona, they called him. Yeah. yeah. Nadal. I don't know his first Miguel name. Angel Nadal. Yeah. Barcelona player at the time. to Rafa. And um, you, I, I remember you saying that you didn't even know that you'd actually won. For, yeah, for about two, three seconds, I get up, I've saved it, and I get up, and then I look, and then I just see all the lads running towards me, then I realise this. That's good. Fo- you're so yeah. focused on the save the penalty. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you and two other players were named in the UEFA team of the tournament for Euro 96. From England. From England. Do you remember who those players were? I would go with Shearer. That is correct. And we've got a a curly-headed scouse who probably it's McMahon. Oh, I nearly said Gaza. Yeah. Okay. He's probably a bit busy working on his celebration. <laughs> um, number five. According to the internet, 
how many oh, this is good see I like that you just pass the blame on a little bit <laughs> according to the internet how many yellow cards did you get in domestic football yellow yes oh. I'd say about I'm just guessing about six Five was the answer. So I, I can't give you the point. Yeah, I got a red card. Well. You did get red. What was was that the that wasn't the one with Robbie Fowler? No, du- no, no, no. One of the one of these yellow cards must have been for that where he. No, because I, I, did, I don't think I got a card for that. But could you think the referee? Because I remember you telling me, so basically this is Arsenal versus Liverpool. Yeah. Fowler goes past, drops a hell of a dive. Yeah. He he then gets up and, and says to the ref, the he, ref he gives never, a penalty. Yeah, he went. The ref, he says he never touched me. And the referee just, like, just looked. And I went, I never touched him, ref. And he went, well, I've made, de- I've made my decision. And then, and then and maybe was, that's why he didn't give you the card. I'm going to give you the, the card now. He got up and he walked past. He went, sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> then he took the penalty? And then he took the penalty. He hit it, I saved it. And then I think it was McAteer smashed the rebound. Oh. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a clip up for that. Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to show that moment as well. Yeah. But no, but I got a red card against West Ham. West Ham. I took out, I don't know, it's Tony Morley or Trevor Morley. Trevor striker. Was it worth it? Yeah, winning nice. one nil at the time. Came out and ran out of my box. He just got to the ball before me. Close lined him. <laughs> didn't even wait. Just put me hand up. I went. I know. And off I went. <laughs> nice. Well, look, you weren't. Yeah, well, you weren't famous for your your disciplinary problems. You're much more so for the yeah, like big hands on the ball for the balls. <laughs> Never mind. End this quiz. I'm I'm going off the rails. Um, brilliant David thanks again so much for doing this um, we do this every single week brought to you by spotocash.com you can win £10,000 every single week I don't know if you've seen the branding here but make sure you go and play spotocash.com I'm here with David choosing a winner every week as well David I'll speak to you next time pleasure see you all next time bye <laughs>